Maple Grove. Good morning, Steve. All right. So, uh, are you guys ready to encounter the living God through his holy, inspired, and authoritative word? Yep. Are you, are you ready for God's word? Uh, like the rain and snow that comes down from the sky, causing things to grow, bud, and flourish. Are you ready for God's word to, to follow to your heart and on your mind, accomplishing what God desires and achieving his purpose for your life? Like, are, are you ready to, to walk out of those doors in a few minutes different than when you walked in? And, and listen, all of those things are actually possible, not because of who I am, but because of the holy, inspired, wonder-working, powerful word of God. Get it? Got it. Good. All right, let's do this church. We read the following in Mark chapter 4, beginning at verse 35. As evening came, it's so stark, uh, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So it's Jesus' idea. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowd behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. That had to be pretty terrifying. Jesus was sleeping in the back of the boat with his head on the cushion. Disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Father, what an honor and a privilege it is to come into your presence. And God, many times, like the disciples, we find ourselves in a dark place, and our boat seems to be filling up with water. And it seems like you're all somewhere sleeping and don't really care what's happening. And God, we know that's not true. God, we know, we know you're the God who has what to say, peace be still and the waters calm. Uh, Jesus, there's no one like you. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would fall in this place, that your word would come alive. God, I pray that we lean into your truth, that we realize it's not the words of man, it's, it was breathed by you to breathe life into us. And God, as always, I, I do ask you to forgive the one up here speaking because his sins are many. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, hey we're kicking off a, a new series today called Overcome the Challenges That We Face. And, and I don't think I have to tell anybody here, right, that as we try to live out the life that God intends for us, an abundant life, a, a life, life in all its fullness, that we're going to encounter a lot of obstacles and difficulties and challenges and storms. I mean, uh, the waves and the winds will crash up against our lives. Now, last week I, I mentioned eight possible topics uh, for us to discuss in this series. Overcome hurt, insecurity, temptation, discouragement, yourself, depression, fear, and loss. And I asked a bunch of people, I put them on Facebook, give me your top three in rank order. Your first choice is worth three points. Your second choice is worth two points. And your uh, third choice is worth one point. 
I'm good, good to hear that. We don't struggle much with temptation here, apparently. That's good news as a church, right? I guess I'm not even messed up. I am messed up and I'm a sinner, but we're doing pretty good there. Um, but number one came in with fear. Uh, number two was insecurity. And number three was overcoming hurt. And so next week we'll begin looking at those three topics, uh, beginning with the message I'm calling Moving Beyond Insecurity. But that's next week. And this morning, uh, we're going to talk about what I think is one of the most unrelenting storms that will ever crash against our life. I mean, the waves and the winds of anxiety seem to crash up against us so frequently. Now, understand, anxiety, it's a thief. And it steals your thoughts, your peace, steals your joy, steals your confidence. Now, for many years, a a woman couldn't sleep at night because she was worried about her home being broken into. I mean, it was just this uneasy thought that dominated her mind day in and day out. Well, one night her husband heard a noise and he goes downstairs and he finds, hey, there's actually a robber there. And he says, hey, could you come upstairs and meet my wife? She's been waiting to meet you for 10 years. <laughs> And the point is, a thief can steal for you once, but anxiety can steal for you from you for decades. Okay, raise your hands if you've ever, any time in your life, struggled with anxiety. Now raise your hands if you're a liar. <laughs> okay, so we're, you're not alone, right? We're all in this struggle together. Okay, let's do this. Overcome. We, number one, reversing anxiety. And I don't want to attack this text or this topic by unpacking two statements, the problem of anxiety and the path out of anxiety. Before we go there, I want to say two things. Number one, I realize that this conversation has limits. You know, I in no way believe that one message on a Sunday morning is going to solve all the issues with anxiety we have ever had in our lives. That's just not going to happen. I mean, for some of you, this has been the issue in your life. And what is needed sometimes is seeing a doctor, right? Seeing a counselor. Church, there's no shame in seeing a counselor, right? There's no shame in that. It's actually a smart thing to do. You know, I, I've done that. It, seeing a counselor does not mean you believe in Jesus less. It does not make you a second-class Christian. Amen? Amen? That's a lie of However, with that being said, I still believe that because we're sharing truth from God's word and because God does not desire his children to live their lives tossed to and fro by the waves and winds of anxiety, I still believe that something powerful and life-impacting can happen. You see, I believe in the power of the living and active sharper than a two-edged sword word of God. And so I do believe that the next few minutes has the potential to make a significant difference in our lives and to empower us to reverse anxiety. Get it? Yeah. Good. And how about you? It, it, it's kind of crazy. We, we started off this year, the series, this year could be different. I said, hey, you know, I'm tired of messing up all the time. I need this year to be different. So I'm just going to preach to myself. This series is the same thing. I got to tell you, right? You know, it, I, I'm preaching to me. It's like, hey, well, God, what do you want to teach me here? Because anxiety is, it's not fun. Okay, buckle up, let's do this. Uh, and, and I can think of no 
no better way to begin this conversation than by reading what I think are the three most powerful passages in all of Scripture uh, dealing with anxiety. And, and lean in. It's God's Word. Uh, Jesus is teaching on the mountains by the Sea of Galilee. And he says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Question, what are you worried about? I mean, this covers it all, right? Jesus says, do not worry about your life. Not just don't worry about your bills, don't worry about your kids, don't worry about your health, don't worry about your marriage, don't worry about your relationship. No, Jesus is kind of like, throws it all out there and says, hey, don't worry about your life. Let's get it all out there. Everybody tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. And, and you know, I, I think God is always trying to get you and I to look at things other than ourselves. <laughs> hey, look somewhere else. Look up. Look at the birds. Quit looking at your situation all the time. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your, no, she says, your heavenly father, not there, you know, you know, uh, the birds do not have a personal relationship with God, yet your Heavenly Father feeds them. How about you? I, I've never seen a bird worry before, right? I mean, they're not like put their claws in How do we make the rent payment on the nest this month, right? <laughs> you know, they just don't do that. <laughs> are you not much more valuable than they are? And can they view by worrying at a single hour to your life? Or why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. And I think that's what worry does to us, right? It just causes us to spin, right? It causes us to spin around and around and around. We don't really get anywhere. All we really get is dizzy. You know, I tell you that even Solomon and all of his Gucci splendor was not dressed like one of these. But then I saw God close the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. Will we not much more clothe you, you little faith? So don't worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear for the pagans? Those who don't know God run after these things, and your Heavenly Father knows that you need them. You say, hey, why? He's saying, like, why are you worrying about stuff That your father's already working out. Like, why, are you already, why are you worrying about stuff that your father is already working out? But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. And I think we all agree with this. Each day has enough trouble of its own. It sure does. And then Paul from a prison cell writes these powerful words. Rejoice, Lord, always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, give that one to your end. Get on end. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. 
Whatever you learned or received or heard from me, or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. And then Peter, one of the guys was freaking out of the boat, telling Jesus, hey, don't you care that we're going to drown, we're going to die. Writes these words in 1 Peter to a, a group of people that he says in, in chapter 1 of his letter that these are people who were scattered. In other words, these are words written to refugees. They are Christians who, because of suffering and because of persecution, they had to leave their homes, they had to leave their country, they had to leave their friends. And that's a lot of reasons for anxiety, right? That's a lot of stress. Many of them lost their jobs because of their faith. They lost their possessions because of their faith. So this is the audience that first receives these words from Peter. The circumstances seem to be cause for a lot of stress. So Peter says, beginning in verse 5 of chapter 5, all of you, clothe yourself with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud and shows favor to the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, a good place to be, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Again, they had a lot of reasons for anxiety. You know, and, and I think most of us have heard that last verse before, right? Cast all your cares on, on God because he, anxiety on God because he cares for you. We all, like, we all know that. And, and I, I've known the, the next verse too, right? But I, I've never really seen the connection that they go together, right? That, that they're, they're part of the same thought. The next verse here, you maybe heard this before. Be alert and a sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You see, there's a connection, right? And, and listen, one of the enemy's main weapons against you and I is to roar into your life, sending into your life, crashing in the ways of anxiety and worry to devour you. Now, now listen, because of Jesus, uh, the devil, he's been declawed and declawed and defanged and he's on a leash. But he can still roar. And he's quite good at it. Resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. Peter's like, hey, you're not alone. Yeah? You're not alone. A bunch of other people are dealing with the same stuff that you're dealing with. Uh, look at three people and tell them you're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. And, and then Peter says this, and this is so good. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you suffered a little while, will himself restore you, make you strong, firm, and steadfast. I mean, didn't I tell you there are great passages? I mean, really, I could spend the rest of the day, we could spend the next 30 minutes just reading over them again and again and again and again, pray and then go home. But we're not going to do that. Anxiety. It's a problem that all human beings have to deal with at one time or another. And, and listen, to understand what the Bible's talking about when we're looking at anxiety, it's, it's good to know, you know a little bit about the Greek word that Jesus, Peter, and Paul used. It's the Greek word... Maranao, Maranao. It appears 19 times in 17 verses. Maranao. And so when Jesus says in Matthew 6 that we just read, do not worry about your life, 
Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Why do you worry about clothes? He's using the same word, Maranatha. And when he speaks to Martha, who is so distracted and so worried, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. Again, it's the same word, Maranatha. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, when Paul says, I want you to be without care, same word, Maranatha. It's usually translated worry, care, anxiety. And it's actually, it's a compound word. It's two Greek words stuck together. And, and when you see what those two words mean, it gives you a full understanding of what this word worry is all about. It, it is this. Anxiety. Mernao. First word. Merizo means to divide, to separate, to cut into pieces, to tear apart. And naos, the mind. So Mernao means to divide, to separate, to tear apart, the mind, which really is a great description of anxiety. You see, anxiety is when your mind is divided, is when your mind is torn apart between legitimate thoughts and destructive thoughts. Basically, anxiety takes your mind in two different directions. You know, I, I believe that these verses on anxiety speak louder today than perhaps any other time. Before and, and I also believe that they especially speak loud into the culture in which you and I live. Let me explain. Uh, Forty million Americans suffer from some form of anxiety disorder. That's eighteen percent of all Americans. Now, that's the approximate population of Maryland, Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia. And in two thousand and five, Boston University reported that anxiety has surpassed all other. Disorders in our country, including depression. Recently, a, a World Health Survey was taken of 14 countries and found that Americans were the most anxious people in all those 14 countries. And that they have more clinically significant levels of anxiety than people living in Nigeria, Lebanon, and the Ukraine. If you know anything about those places, those are some pretty troubled spots. And what that tells us is that we Americans are the undisputed champions of anxiety and worry. If anxiety and worry were in the Olympics, we would win the gold medal every single time. The last three decades, anxiety disorders have jumped up by 1,200%. One psychologist by the name of Dr. Robert Lee in his book Anxiety Free says the the average American teenager today exhibits the same level of anxiety as the average psychiatric patient did in the 1950s. Wow. So that gives you some kind of feel for where we are you know, on this spectrum in our country. That's our country. So what are Americans worried about? According to Gallup organization, um, number one, they're worried about personal income. We'll have enough money in the future to deal with what's up in the future. Number two, social security system, kind of tied to the other one. Is it, is it going to be there? Number three, possible terrorist attacks. Will I be the victim of some hostile act of violence? Healthcare availability. And number five, race relations. That's the top concerns. I, I did an informal survey on Facebook, and here's what people said they're anxious about money, their children, work family balance, political turmoil, our 
country, evil people, sickness, finding love, the unknown, being a single parent, house issues, car issues, how much more my hair will fall out, <laughs> hard rains, uh, leaky roofs, college basketball games, uh, worry about what we don't have, worry about making an impact in the lives of other people. And one guy actually put, he, he lives in Buffalo, um, he's concerned about a certain football team from Boston. <laughs> I didn't make that up. He should be worried. <laughs> so anxiety is real, it's here, it's a problem for at least three reasons. It's unhealthy, it's unproductive, and it's unbecoming. Let's drill down on those for a moment. Anxiety is unhealthy. I understand anxiety often produces such unhealthy things as nervousness, fear, irritability, sleeplessness, and just the general sense of being overwhelmed. Anxiety can overwhelm our emotions. It can alter the serotonin and dopamine systems in the brain. It can cause disturbing and obsessive thoughts. It can cause agitation and anger and annoyance. It can make you feel moody, lonely, depressed, terrified, panicked. It can also can cause physical things like aches and pains and stiffness and breathing difficulties and chest pains and concentration problems and digestive issues and insomnia and low energy and forgetfulness and circulation problems and hormone imbalance and hypertension and migraines and weight gain and weight loss and body odor and hair loss and ringing in the ears and increasing sense, increased sensitivity to sound and smell and even literally leave a bad taste in your mouth. When you start thinking about all those things, it's like watching all those commercials, right? Right? Or like 90% is a side effects, right? Yeah, I know they're walking on the beach or playing with their kids in the yard, but man, they take that medicine, I think they're going to die, right? It's terrible. <laughs> All that stuff is happening, right? Uh, the U.S. Center for Disease Control says that about half of the deaths, the, that's the U.S. Center for Disease Control now, that half of the deaths that take place before age 65 are related to stress. The Harvard Business Review says anywhere from 60 that 90% of medical visits are stress-related. In his book, Anxiety Free Again, Dr. Robert Lee concludes that we live in an age of anxiety. We become a nation of nervous wrecks. It's unhealthy. It's also unproductive. I love how Jesus put it. Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? So like, I mean, seriously, what good has it? Not concern, right? Concern's okay to get you to do something, right? But what good has worry ever done you? Done me, right? I mean, all that worry and anxiety, how's it working for you? Is it getting you anywhere? Is it, is it helping you become more productive? Jesus, see, Jesus' point is that worry doesn't change anything. Nothing. Not a zilch. I mean, think about some of the things people worry about. Politics. Like, who by worry can change the outcome of an election? Finances. Who by worrying is able to put you know, another dollar in their wallet? Right? Relationships. Who of you by worrying can change another person? Physical health. Who of you by worrying can make yourself healthier? Well, it's really not true that worry won't change anything. Actually, it will. It'll make things worse. Make your health worse. Make your marriage problems worse. Worse. It'll affect your family. That's why Jesus says, don't do it. It's unproductive. Worry, like I said before, it, 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 this is worry. You know, worry is just spinning around and around and around and around and around and around. Wow, I am dizzy, I'm not even pretending. You get dizzy, you get disoriented, and you're really unable to do anything. It's overdone. 
A guy did a survey, Dr. Joseph Galloway, he found that 85% of things we worry about never happen. And of the 50% that did happen, 79% of those said, hey, you know what? I found out I was able to handle that situation better than I thought, or I, I learned some life lessons in that that was really valuable. He concluded that 97% of what we worry about is just a fearful mind punishing you with exaggerations and misconceptions. Uh, Corey Tenboom, who during World War II first helped her family hide Jewish people from the Nazis and later was in a concentration camp, I would say definitely could be cause for anxiety. Uh, she said this famous quote, you may have heard it. Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow, it empties today of its strength. Does anybody out there feel like their strength is just being emptied? Like someone just poked a hole in it with anxiety and your strength is just draining away, away. Unhealthy, unproductive, and it's also unbecoming. Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Now, now it, it, it makes sense, right? For those who do not know God to be anxious and run around after these things. I mean, when people believe that they are just dangling in some inexplicable universe with no design, with no plan, with no God, when, when they have no idea of why they're here or where they're going, that could be scary. However, as Jesus followers, to run around the same way, to have the same kind of anxieties is unbecoming the child of God. Because in effect, we're saying to the God who feeds the bird, who clothes the grass in the fields and holds the universe in his hands, I don't trust you, God. God, I do not find you trustworthy in this situation. And not only that, but our spinning around in anxiety says to a watching world that our God is either not real or he's not really that great. Or else we wouldn't be freaking out about the same things the rest of the world is freaking out about. So be coming. So the robin to the sparrow, I would really like to know why those anxious human beings rush about and hurry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, I think that it might be they have no such God as cares for you and me. You know, I, I have five children and, and, and I can't remember them going, like, worrying about, I wonder if we're going to eat today. Uh, are we going to have a, am I going to have a bed to sleep in the day? They don't worry about that. It's a problem. It's unhealthy. It's unproductive. It's unbecoming. And it devours, like a roaring lion, devours your thoughts, your joy, your peace, your confidence. Wow. Don't worry. Don't worry. Cool. Did we lose it like everywhere? Sweet. There's a path that will get you out of anxiety. Okay. <laughs> it's funny. All right. And listen, 
The path out of anxiety calms the storms of our worries, bringing to us the peace of God. Uh, Paul says in Philippians, right, that we can have this peace of God that transcends all understanding. Number seven, all Jesus followers have peace with God, right? We got that when we wave the white flag and surrender to him. But not every Jesus follower has the peace of God. Not every believer has that. Not every Jesus follower has that transcendent, tranquil feeling of confidence of, hey, it's going to be okay. I'm going to tell you five things, right? You know, and, and I really want you to think about them this week. Uh, but, but, but this is the very first thing you need to do. Celebrate God's greatness and goodness, right? That's how you walk the path out of that's how you walk the path out of anxiety. Paul says to rejoice in the Lord always. Uh, Peter says that we're to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Jesus says that we're to seek first His kingdom. You see, the key to walking the path out of anxiety is not to start with your anxiety. When you start with your anxiety. You end with your anxiety. Instead, you start with the greatness and goodness of your God. And celebrating God's greatness and goodness puts whatever is causing you anxiety into its proper perspective, right? That's one of the great reasons for coming to church, right? Many times you come to church and you're anxious and then you sing songs about this great, awesome God that loves you, right? That's preparing a place for you, right? That's coming back for you. That has this incredible love for you. And next thing you know, your anxiety dissipates. You see, God is not intimidated by the wind and the waves. He's not intimidated by whatever is causing you problems. So you start with God. And what starts to happen when you do that, instead of falling to your knees and telling God about how big your problem is, right? You look at your problem and you tell that problem how big your God is. Don't be anxious, but pray. Don't do this, but do this. And that word pray is sometimes translated worship. Understand, worry and worship cannot coexist in the same heart. Worry and worship cannot coexist in the same heart. So you celebrate God's greatness and God's goodness, and this puts anxiety in perspective. Yeah, I think the God who simply spoke and created everything, the God who breathes out stars, who breathes out galaxies, who feeds the birds, who clothes the grass of the fields, I think he can take care of my problem. When you're tempted to worry, worship. When you're burdened, bow. And, and when your problem seems so large, so much bigger than you, I've used this before, you do what? You flip the lens, right? Like I, I look through this here, some of you got, you thought your head was big before, your head is huge. <laughs> but when I flip the lens, oh my goodness, there it is. See, when you realize how great God is, you flip the lens, realize that God is so much bigger than anything that you're facing. Next, to walk the path out of anxiety, you ask God for help. You humble yourself before God and ask for his help. God, I need your help. 
Sometimes God may want you to ask someone else for help. Are you able to do this? You ever notice what the middle letter in the word anxiety is? It's I. It's pride. See, pride can keep us from asking for help. Telling God, I need your help. Telling other people, hey, you know what? I need your help. I'll struggle in this area, and I know you know how to get out of this. Would you help me? Right? Would you help? We make requests. We don't make demands. And listen, God wants you to ask him for help. He told all kinds of parables, right? You got the widow banging on the house, right? Of the judge and gets up and finally answers. You got the friend who goes to a friend. Hey, I got a friend and I need some bread. Can I have some bread? He goes, no, I, I, the kids are in bed. They're already asleep. You know, I already got them down. They wake up. They'll never go to sleep. I'll never get any sleep. I'm not going to answer the door. But he says, hey, he won't come down because he's your friend. He'll come down because you keep nagging him. He'll give you bread. And then he talks and he says, you know what? That's all I want you to do, right? I want you to ask and keep asking. I want you to knock and keep knocking. Because God wants you to ask him for help. See, asking God for help needs not to be our last resort, but our first response. Not, we tried everything else. I don't know what else to do. All I have left is to pray. <laughs> That's all we got left. <laughs> all we got left is to walk in the throne room, the creator of the universe. Who's always exists, all part, that's, that's all I got. I got nothing. I'm just going to ask this powerful being if he can help. That's all I got. <laughs> Seriously. I think that's pretty good. Next, you leave your anxiety with him. Cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now, we want to Smith Lake. And those who speak, Steve, hey. We went to Smith Mountain Lake not recently, right? And, and, and we don't go fishing, we go casting, right? Because, like, we cast it, nothing comes up. We got, like, one fish, we're like, oh, my God, it's incredible. Okay, right? You know, it, you know, that's not the casting we're talking about, right? All right? Cast your cares of God and reel it back in. <laughs> yes. Okay. Now, that word can also mean transfer, right? This idea that you're carrying this weight. Some of you walk in with it. Some of you woke up at 2 o'clock in the morning with it. Some of you couldn't get to sleep because of it. And it's heavy. And God says, I want you. And you don't, you don't want to just let it go because it would just fall apart. And God says, no, no, just don't let it go. Give it to me. Give it to me and I will carry it for you. Transfer that weight to me. Cast your cares on me because I care about you. Some of you need to stop reeling it in and start leaving it with him. Amen? Amen. Next, meditate on good things. Whatever's true, whatever is right, also. If you want the peace of God, don't meditate on the mess. Don't meditate on the problem. And here's good news. Anybody ever feel like you're like you're a pretty accomplished warrior? Raise your hand. Like, okay, I know how to do that. But if you do, good news is you already have the skill set. You already have the proper skills. 
for meditating the good things. You know how to do it, right? I mean, you know how to think about things over and over and over again. Wake up thinking about them. Think about why you're eating. You already have the skill set. And one of the best things to, to meditate on, right, is it, scripture, right? You meditate on things like, <clears throat> I consider that our I consider that my present suffering is not worth comparing to the glory that one day will be revealed. And, and I know that, God, I, God, I know that you cost all things, even this thing you can cause to work out for the good as long as I love you and I'm living for your purposes. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from where? Right? You, 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 you meditate on God's promises. Maybe you find a scripture that deals with what you're dealing with, and you meditate on that. And you meditate on it, and you think about it, and you become consumed with it. Another thing to meditate on is, is the good things God has brought into your life over the years. Because right? when you're freaking out about something, like the commute to work, or electric bill, whatever, you know, you forget about like all the things that God has brought into your life. And so you meditate on, maybe you meditate on God's goodness and His grace and His mercy. On the Holy Spirit, when the, the Holy is preparing for you. Maybe you meditate on God, God, you know what? You've been so good to me. You, you've given me a home. You've given me a family. You give me a, a wife that loves me, a husband that loves me. You give me a family. You give me children. You give me friends. You give me food to eat. You've given me a car to drive. You've given me your word that, that I can read. God, God, you've been so much. And, and all those times I was going through that struggle before, God, and, and I didn't think I'd make it through it. But God, you showed up and, and you showed off. And I got through it. So you, you think about those things. You meditate on those things. And lastly, you start doing what you know. Whatever you learned, received, or heard from me, or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. And you see, when, the, when it's dark and the waves and the wind of anxiety come crashing in your life, one of the main objectives of the enemy is to paralyze us, to keep us spinning around and around and around and around and around, trapped and consumed by our anxiety, unable to move forward, so that our anxiety becomes what defines us, I'm just an anxious person. But Paul says, no, you know, he says, you know, what you've seen and heard in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. You see, movement and simply doing what you know, especially in the face of anxiety, is very powerful. We see it all over Scripture. Right? Moses, I, I know you're anxious about going back to Egypt, but pick up that staff and get going. Joshua, I know you're anxious about going into the promised land and, and fighting against those great armies, but get up and get ready because I'm fixing to part those waters. Getting, I know you're anxious about the Midianites oppressing the people, but you need to get out of my breast because I need you to deliver my people. Uh, uh, Elijah, I know you're concerned about King Ahab and his wicked queen Jezebel, but it's time to get out of the cave because I have some work for you to do. Esther, I know you're anxious about going before the king. 
But that's what I want you to know that I put you here for such a time as this. You see, to walk the path out of anxiety and have the peace that transcends all our standing, just start doing what you know. Don't stay spinning around and around and around and around. Do what you know. Love somebody. Help somebody. Be there for somebody. Serve somebody. Forgive somebody. Share your faith with somebody. Amen. Okay, let's wrap this up. And this is a real wrap up. To walk the path of anxiety. If you want to reverse your anxiety, you need to do these, these things, right? Put your pop up on the screen. Celebrate God's greatness and goodness. Ask God for help. Leave your anxiety with Him. Meditate on good things. Start doing what you know. Do you notice what the first line of this word spells? Calms. The path out of anxiety, it calms. It calms. I, I, I dare you. I, I double and triple, triple dog dare you to try that. You get anxious, you celebrate God's goodness and greatness. Right off the bat. You just do it. You, instead of worry, you worship. Right? Instead of being burdened, you bow. Right? It looks too big, you flip the lens. Something how big your God is. Then you ask him for help. And you, you leave it with him. And then you, then you meditate on good things. And then you start doing the things that you know. Rather than spinning around in circles. And just see what happens. Just see what happens. Now Jesus, he's no longer sleeping in the, the stern of the ship. He's sitting on his throne. And he's alive and well. And he still has the ability to calm our souls. Right? And he still wants to help us overcome our anxious minds and our anxious thoughts. And guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus with this peace. Father God, we love you. We just thank you for this opportunity to be in your house. God, you, you know in this room that a lot of us, I am one of them, Lord, that the battle anxiety, Lord, you have shown a path out that leads to the peace, that leads to your peace. I want that. And Lord, I pray for those in this room who just need to trust you right now. Leave it with you and know, God, that, that, that the, the ways and when, they, they still know your name. In Jesus' name, amen.